Wait, is this the third episode this week? I think it is, man. I know we usually do too. But it's Final Four weekend, man. And we have to talk about it. Final Four preview and more with Pierre of Through the Wire. Shouts to Pierre. A fantastic conversation with P as always. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. new man nothing i'm a little under the weather but well thank you for being here and hope you're feeling okay yeah yeah, yeah. i'm pulling through i'm pulling through i hate i hate being um sick because I, I just hate the way i sound and everything so i'll be having to fall back but uh we here nonetheless we here we are here appreciate you p it's always great talking to you man i feel like we got so many reps up over the years together Really yeah, it is, it's you. nothing. It's nothing. We just we just be talking at this point. <laughs> you know, I do have a I do have a feeling that like something grand and great is going to happen in the future and everything is going to come full circle. And we're going to be like, remember them days? I think it was like the pandemic time. We were talking once a week. I, I just believe like things will come full circle one day. I truly believe that. I think so, too. It's only right. It's inevitable. Um, shout out to Max, too. I forgot to reply or whatever but i saw max had hit us up about going live i'm like we so past going live so <laughs> going, going live sounds like a a generation Archa- ago archaic yeah it's just not something i do anymore most definitely so i really brought you here to talk march madness yeah. we went off on a tangent i mean we always go off on tangents that's what we do but they're entertaining tangents um yes so my favorite part of march madness mm-hmm. and you might totally disagree with me is the beginning stages of it is when there's a bunch of games on. I know we crown a champion at the end, but I just love that part of it when there's so many games on, differing styles, teams that aren't familiar with each other. To me, it feels like blood sport, right? You got all of these crazy personalities, you know, differing styles, teams aren't familiar, and everything going on at the same time. And then you get great stories like FD, FDU in the mix, right? And th- like FAU, obviously, we, we could still talk about them because they're still here. But I just love that part of March Madness, maybe even more than the Final Four. That's just me. I know we crowned a champion in the Final Four, but I just love that part of it. No, I agree. I'm on the same page with you. It's nothing better than when uh, March Madness first starts and the games start at 10 or 11, and they just going on until about 8, 9, or 10 at night. I, I do think that that's the best. It's kind of like the NFL playoffs, or it's, it's like any playoffs where in basketball, when the first round starts in the play-in, we have a, a slate of games versus when there's the Eastern yes. Conference Finals. It's, it's one game per day versus getting four, you know, games in a day. Any basketball fan is going to love, you know, the more you can get or any sporting fan when there is the football and you have, you know, four games on versus just the Super Bowl where it's just that one game and you wait all day for this moment leading up to it. So, no, I agree with you. I, I'm, a, I'm like you. I understand the Final Four, the magnitude. It's exciting. You got to crown a champion. But when you have, um, you know, a slate of a Tuesday, and that that's what's 
March Madness is too, where it's just like a Monday or Tuesday, and there's legitimately seven or eight games going to be played throughout the whole day. Some teams you'll be familiar with. Some teams will have NBA prospects. Some teams will have future NBA prospects. Some teams you won't be familiar with. Some teams have you know new coaches, young coaches, coaches who are Hall of Famers and you heard of. There's so many different things and elements um, that's thrown all together. So I, I think – that's the more exciting thing. And now that you, now that we have this conversation, I, I think I remember what you're talking about in the beginning. Yeah, I was talking about March Madness, man. People, people trying to uh, talk down on college basketball, and I'm just not for it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't care who you are. Um, you know, people going around saying that they don't watch college basketball. That's fine. People can watch what they want to watch. But if you don't watch college basketball, I think it's very foolish and ignorant for you to speak on it. And a hundred percent, bro. I hear people literally saying. That they haven't watched it and it's terrible. Yeah. And that's one of the that's one of the biggest things that I was talking about recently on Twitter was, you know, um some they had a thing saying is March overrated, like it's March Madness overrated. And in in it was a De'Aaron Fox quote. And I've been having this conversation on my podcast for years now because my co-hosts, um, they aren't vivid college basketball watchers. And I've been trying to, you know, um get them to get get more and more involved because I think it's, 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 it's good. And it's also the future stars of the league um, are in college. Some of them. Um, but yeah, I see, you know, guys always saying they don't watch, but they have so many different opinions. And if you don't watch, Hey, you know, I'll make one thing clear. I don't care what anybody's doing. I don't lose sleep because nobody's watching college basketball. But if there's a conversation, a dialogue as somebody who watches college basketball, I'll dive in <laughs> and give my two cents. But yeah, I just think it's foolish to say I don't watch college basketball, but then you have criticism for it. And then some of the criticism to me is kind of mind blowing. I don't watch college basketball because the shot making isn't like the NBA. Well, duh, who turns on college basketball and think they're given going to get Kevin Durant type performances or Kyrie Irving type performances? Like, are you kidding me? You're not watching because they aren't playing like LeBron James. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And to me, that shows the difference between a basketball lover and an NBA yeah. lover. And I think those are two different things that people don't want to accept. But if all you watch and all you cater to or all you gravitate to is NBA, to me, you love the NBA. A basketball lover can watch a high school game. They can watch the NBA. They can watch college. They, they might even watch two dudes playing in the park and be like, what's going you know what on I mean? there? <laughs> and I understand it. I don't want to get too crazy. I understand there's certain levels that, you know, right. can be some bad basketball and you know, um, lower, lower youth level basketball, of course, babies out there playing, but they don't, they don't know anything. They're just out there having fun and learning. But like, I love basketball so much. I can just watch a basketball game and it doesn't have to be a pro or pro prospect or whatever. I watch e EJ games and it's not always some highly uh, recruited player in those matchups, but it's like, Oh, this team is running a three, two zone extended. This is interesting. And just those type of things. Yeah, the lack of skill thing, I don't even agree with. First of all, like, it, it's good to watch every kind of basketball because it, it makes you appreciate the guys that you were saying, how great they really are. If you're just only watching them, it's a little bit harder to appreciate. The lack of skill thing, I do not agree with. Obviously, as you said, the skill level is not the same as the NBA. But I do think part of it is that it's the adrenaline. When adrenaline is pumping that high, it's a little bit more about will than skill. And the skills might show not show quite as much at the college level when it's one game elimination. Like if you made the game one game elimination in the NBA, 
you might not see the creative shot making that you would see in a regular season game when it don't matter as much. That's true. I mean, we do have the play in and a lot of the elite level players probably won't play in the play. I mean, we might have a Luca or something, but yeah, the Kevin Durant and, and whatnot. Well, actually, we might have Luca LeBron. LeBron might Luca LeBron yeah. might happen, right? Luca LeBron might actually be in there. So yeah, <laughs> LeBron and Steph has been in the play in. Um but I mean, it's just tough. I think anytime you compare something to the NBA and you, the best yes. of the best, the Kevin Durant's, the all-time greats, it's just silly to me to expect that. Um, and then I disagree because they talk about the shot making. You know, when you talk about March Madness, some of the toughest, most important clutches moments and shots go down in those games. You know, when you look at Furman beating Virginia, Kihei Clark throwing that ball and Furman getting it, and that guy hitting that big time three to give them the lead. That's that's oh, yeah. high quality, tough shot making with the pressure on you. That's high level shot making. You talk about opinion. that. You talk about that deep one. The one that won them the game. Kihei yeah. Clark from Virginia gets it. He throws it, thinking the clock is going to run out. Furman. Oh, that one. Clock. That one. Oh yeah. Yes, oh yes. man. That wins the game. Yeah. That that's tough shot making. Now is he was that guy doing that for the last seven minutes of the game like a Kevin Durant would do where Kevin can give you 14 points in the last six minutes of a fourth quarter? No. But when everything is on the line and it's a win or go home and it's the last shot of the game and this guy makes it, to me, that's high-level shots. And, and and you see that throughout the course of college basketball um, in March Madness. So at the end of the day, everybody's entitled to like what they want to like. And that's not my my problem. I'm not saying people have to watch college basketball. I only go out and defend college basketball when people go out of their way to ignorantly dismiss it um, for the NBA. And it's also kind of backwards to me because the majority of the guys who are in the NBA doing anything, they came or are going to come from college basketball. You look at the next young stars of Anthony Edwards, Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Franz Wagner, Paolo. All of these guys have come from college basketball. And college basketball is going to be the biggest pool for our league as it's always been. You're going to have some G League. You're going to have international. But majority of our talent in our league is made up of guys who are going to come from college. That's just a fact. And a lot of the superstar players – the guys who are going to help y'all win championships are going to be guys that are coming from college. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, that's just my spiel. You don't have to like college basketball, but don't go out of your way to dismiss it or discredit it if you don't watch it. If you watch it and you're saying you don't like it, then that, that's a whole different conversation. But if you tell me, oh, yeah, I don't watch college basketball because of blank, blank, blank. You can't say it because of because you don't watch it. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, this final four is interesting right here. So Florida Atlantic or San Diego will be playing for a national championship, which is kind of crazy. Is there a perfect bracket out there? Probably not at this point, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> no. um, UConn, in my opinion, is definitely the favorite. Would you say it's there to lose or it's more up for grabs with all four of these teams? The way that they played in the tournament is theirs to lose because I think they beat every team so far by at least 15. So when you have that, that big of a margin of, in terms of winning this late in the tournament – um, I think there's a lot of expectation, but I also don't want to overly put expectations on UConn because at the at the end of the day, they're still what a four seed. Um, they weren't highly picked, they weren't favorited at all. They're just they just pick like UConn does, they're just getting hot at the right time and they're playing really, really good basketball. But uh, as, as far as these four teams, I think they would be the favorite, but I just don't want to put too much pressure on them to sit up here and pretend that UConn, um, was supposed to be here. They're just like the the other teams here 
um, where I don't think a lot of teams had them coming as far. A lot of people did pick UConn, but not that many. I think if we had Alabama here, if we had a Houston here. If Arkansas. Had, uh, uh, I don't know. Arkansas was a nine seed who kind of was up and down. Um, if Arkansas, I think if talent Arkansas level, it, talent level is good. If they made it this far, I would I would have been surprised. I didn't have Arkansas, um, nowhere near the Final Four. Um, I, I did have Florida Atlantic beating Memphis in the first round, so I, I'm not surprised. Maybe they, per, uh, maybe Purdue or um, Gonzaga. I think people would have them in there, right? That's Gonzaga, yeah. I, yeah, Purdue. I wasn't a fan of because they keep because they keep getting upset. Is that why you weren't a fan? I just don't like the way that they play. I'm not. I'm just not a Purdue fan. Um, I, yeah, I watched a lot of Big Ten basketball, and you know, it was a lot of a lot of games where, you know, I thought that they should have really been able to destroy their opponent, and they didn't. And uh, I think Zach Eady, for him to be who he is in the size, and he did have a great season. I just felt like he wasn't as dominant as you would have thought. And sure enough, uh, that got exposed. So. Yeah, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, in my opinion, the best storyline of this tournament has been Florida Atlantic. I like to think of them as a very modern basketball team. Not a lot of people talk about this, but they're very analytically driven, shoot a lot of threes, dunks, free throws. Combine that with toughness and malleability, like they could, pay, they could play fast, they could play slow. What do you feel like they have to do to beat this defensive-minded San Diego State team? Keep playing that game. I'm, I'm obsessed with their offense. The four I went in with the big fella. Um, that's what made me pick them for the upset in the first round. Um, I never in a million years, even when I picked them then, thought that they would be a Final Four team. But I think they got to continue with the sh with the shot making, continue to play free. Uh, I think a lot of teams get this far and they uh, they kind of get a little timid. But you got to you got to hoop, man. The same shots you were taking in the in the first round where you felt like you had nothing to lose should be the same shots you taking in the Final Four with the same mindset. You just got nothing to lose. I feel like when teams tense up. And they try to play a get away from their play style to be a little bit more precautious. I feel like then you uh you start to lose yourself. But if you're a fat, you like for instance, if you're a fast-paced team, you should always play fast. You can't all of a sudden want to dial it back now because it's the final four and we don't want to turn over the ball. You gotta be who you've been this entire season. You know what I mean? And um, I love their guard play. I really like the John Neal Davis guy. I think he uh, has some in incredible shot making, especially from the mid range. And um, I, I think they they have a change. They when you've made it this far against some of the teams that they've beat, you got to have the confidence that you can beat anybody. San Diego State is a tough matchup and a tough team because they're gonna get after it. They're a little grimy and gritty, and I like that about them. But Florida Atlantic has has proven to themselves that they can beat literally anybody. What do you think the keys are for San Diego State? Yeah, it's to rough them up. I think if you can rough them up, dominate the uh, the rebounding, I, I think you have it. Florida Atlanta, they they rebound the ball pretty well. But I think you definitely have to make them slow the game down because they want to play fast. They want to get in transition. They want to shoot the threes. Um, and, yeah, just, just, just speed them up. I mean, uh, slow them down or beat them up and make them turn it over. Turnovers to me, turnovers and rebounds to me is always going to be the key key to the game. However you however you can do it, but um, I think if you allow Florida Atlantic to play with the proper pace, they're going to make you pay, man. They going they going to get out in transition. They going to hit threes. Um, I forget his name, but the number fifteen kid, he he is deadly. He'll take some wild ones, but he'll make the wild ones too. I do think if there is a blowout in this game, there's more of a chance it will be FAU, and if it. If there's a grinded out game, I think like either team could probably win it. 
I don't see like San Diego State blowing them out, and I don't see Florida Atlantic like disappearing, like from what I've seen so far. No, 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 no. I think I think this should be a very close game. I really do think this should be a very close game, maybe somewhere in the fifties, you know, fifty-seven to fifty-three type game. Um, San Diego State has been good all year, man. They've been they've been good, so I can't count them out now. FAU has been doing anything, so I think it's a it's a it's a slug match, and um, it could get grimy. It could get, both teams are gonna come play hard. We know that for sure. So I think this may be um a dog fight i think this may be a very entertaining dog fight i equate miami to the nwo let me tell you why they just got some money they know about nil they know how to use it i think nil is part of the reason why we're seeing some of these teams yes. who might not be blue bloods playing in the final four and there's parity in ncaa basketball and there's more parity in the nba you could say it's good for the game you could say it's bad for the game that's up for you to determine but I just love what they did down there. And then they got five guys that could beat you. I think they're one of the most dangerous teams in this Final Four. I do, too. And I'm a big fan of them just because of uh, Coach Larinaga. I've been a big Jim Larinaga fan since I was a kid, seeing what he did at George Mason. Um, and now Miami is rocking and rolling. Yeah, the NIL stuff is crazy. Uh, with Nigel Pack and um, the money he got and everything, that was that, that was interesting to see and, and find out about. And I think that is something to look forward to uh, as we go forward because you see see a team like North Carolina come in as the, the number one consensus, consensus team and they don't even make the tournament. And then you got teams, like you said, out of, out of nowhere um, come in and out of playing in the Final Four. And there's the transport portal is, is popping off right now. Um, and teams are getting after right right once they got bounced. You're able to go out there and, and figure out your next plans. And we've seen Caleb Love in the transfer portal. Uh, Khalil Ware, who was a, a guy that people thought would go to the draft, is in the transfer portal. Um, things are happening as we speak right now. So teams are bringing in top recruits. It's kind of like the NBA where you can bring in a five-star McDonald's All-American. You can go grab you a veteran out of the transfer portal. You can have some youth, some experience, and you can have you a well-balanced team in one summer um, and come back as a team who didn't do anything last year. And now all of a sudden you have – a team that's going to make a final four push. I think that's kind of exciting because you don't want it to get like football. College football is kind of like when you know it's Alabama or Georgia. hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I kind of like it to see a, a Miami and Jim Laranaga, um to see UConn. It, it's, 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 it's dope. It's dope. I, but I like good coaching as well. And it's going to be a lot of good, good coaching um, in, in this final four. Most definitely. UConn, do you look at – I mean, the narrative is there's no, no Blue Bloods, but I feel like teams like UConn and Villanova are kind of like borderline Blue Bloods. Would, how, where do you land on that when it comes to UConn? Yeah, I think they are borderline. Um, and if if not Blue Blood, they just got tremendous um, – Tradition? Tradition. Um, like, they are – they are – let's see. Was it like 20 years ago when we talk about – um, Emeka Okafor, Ben Gordon, Rudy Gay, yeah, Charlie Villanueva, Marcus Williams, Hilton Armstrong, you know what I mean? Um, Jerome Dyson. We're, we're not, I, ha, I still haven't even gotten to Kimball Walker, Shabazz Napier, Jeremy oh, Lamb. Oh, before that, Khalid El Amin. Oh, yes, yeah, he was at one <laughs> of EJ's tournaments. Okay, um, he was dad, tough. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough yeah, college yeah. guard. Yeah. So like they just have really good tradition. But but yeah, they're they're they may not be blue bloods, but they respect it. Like yes. the blue bloods. They're respected yes. like the blue bloods. Yes. Them or the field. I'm gonna go with them just because Coach Hurley got them hooping. I think they have um a, a good good balanced team. They have the shot making with Hawkins. I think Andre Jackson uh defensively is a menace and he could just fly ar- around everywhere. They got the big fella, uh Senegal in, in the middle. Um and they they rocking and they rolling, they hitting all cylinders. Like I said, in every game so far in the tournament, they've won by at least 15 points. And that's yeah. very impressive when you've seen so many grinded out games and games come down to the wire. This is going to be a tough matchup in in uh Florida. I mean uh Miami, because Miami is as confident as ever, and they've got a lot too. Um, but I think if they if if they get past Florida, I, I don't see either other team on the other side being able to keep up with them at all. We may have a boring championship game. Between? Hypothetically speaking, let's say UConn wins and let's say FAU wins. I think UConn might beat the brakes off of FAU. How would you how, – so how would you rank the four? I, I think we're in agreement. UConn would be one. I have to say for me it would be Miami too. Like I feel like if they, Miami go, two. The, if they go final four, I got they'll FAU win it three. all. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you there. All right. You mentioned Jordan Hawkins since we're in agreement. There's nothing to really talk about. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Hawkins. Um, I believe, like, if you're thinking NBA draft this late, whether you're an NBA decision maker or a media guy who likes to talk about the draft on podcasts, it's a little too late, right? Um, I know March Madness bump is real, but is he one of those guys that you feel helped himself the most in March? Uh, I, I guess so, because he's the only top guy that's still left. So maybe, but I I said that to Corey um, and, and Rucker. I was on their show. Was that yesterday? Uh, two days I saw the ago. clip. I think I retweeted it. Oh, okay. Um, appreciate <laughs> it. But yeah, I was just, I, I don't think that, yeah, I don't believe in like a March Madness thing. I think it just. Wait, 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 wait. You don't believe. Now we would be at a big disagreement. If you don't believe that NBA decision makers. I don't. Don't, don't take March too serious. No. It's wow. six games. It's six games. No, the, name, I know. Name they me should. one. Name me one prospect who was a twenty guy and he had a good run and became a top five pick. Let me think on that first. But I would agree that the way you're thinking should be the way. I just do think there is March Madness bump. Well, and t- I think, tell me somebody who's who's jumped up from. Who's jumped up? I feel like in the top five they bump people up like from five to two or something. Orlando Mad Suggs, he was bumped I, up. I don't think that, he. I don't think he was bumped up. But they were from that half court shot that that didn't bump him up when he Not hit that to, off the backboard. No, we had people con- conversating should he be the number one pick, but we saw on draft day he he was far from the number one pick. I think that's just conversation that you see on Twitter. But I I know GM. Well, I I did say media people and NBA decision makers. It's too yeah, late. But even when it came down to it. Nobody had him mocked up as their number one pick. It was just a conversation because he made one shot, but then the very next game they got their ass handled against Baylor and it got blowed out, and nobody gave a, a damn anymore. So I you just, think that I'm just ahead. waiting for you to tell me one prospect who had a significant jump in their draft spot based off the tournament? I Con- think it can- Corey gave me one answer 
over the last, and that was a long time ago. It was a great answer, but it was a very long time ago. And since then, we just, we tried, we, I posed the same question to them. I think it could happen with Jordan Hawkins this year. Well, where's he going to go? How I think high do you th think this puts him? I the top five guy now? No, 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 no. Okay. Not top five, but I think he started borderline first, second round at the beginning of this, and I think he could go lottery now. I think he was a legitimate, always a first-round pick this entire season. He's never been a second-round guy. Where in the first round? 20s to late 20s to late teens. Really? Yeah. I didn't have him late teens. I would say, like, lower 20s towards 30. And No, no, no. no. Throughout, throughout the year, I thought you meant, like, where he was before the tournament throughout when the, when the year first came in i would say he was in the 20s early 20s and i think as the season went on with the shot making you're saying it's gradual you're saying it's lottery and now um when i was talking to Corey, Corey was saying some teams could could look at the top 10 but i even then it's just like he was already right there at the teens and that's just a conversation is he really going to go top 10 Let's name prospects, and you tell me if you think he'll go above them. I'm not going to disrespect you and ask you Scoot or Vic because I know you're going to say them. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let, let you save your breath. I think you'll still take Brandon Miller. Yes. Okay, so now let's get – are you taking uh, the Thompson Twins or Jordan Hawkins? Thompson Twins. So that's five. Are you taking Jairus Walker or – Jairus Walker. Are you taking Anthony Black or Jordan Hawkins? Anthony Black. Are you taking Keontae George or um, Jordan Hawkins? Keontae George. Nick Smith or uh, Jordan Hawkins? Now that's a conversation. Okay. Um. What about um? What's the kid? Uh, Jed Howard or Jordan Hawkins? Jed Howard. Um. And I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, Cam Whitmore. Yeah, you got, you got, you got to take Cam because of the potential there. You have. So to. now, realistically, outside of the conversation of where of him, oh, he's going up. That's ten guys who I think. We both would say a lot of teams are probably pushed to. Now, I still think Jordan Hawkins going anywhere near the lottery is still a win for him. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely going up. But I don't think the tournament has him going in any direction. He couldn't, you know, that, that's what I told on, on the No Silence podcast. It's like, can the tournament help? Yes. My argument is it doesn't change anything that out of the world. It's like, yeah, if you have a six game stretch in a tournament where you're playing good. Yeah, of course your arrow is going to go up, but I, I just don't think a lot of guys like if there's a, like, like I don't see a lot of guys where they're projected to be the 13th guy. And then all of a sudden we're talking about them being a top five guy because of a lot a, a tournament run yeah. or a guy who was um, like Suggs always was viewed as a top 10 guy. All of a sudden is the number one pick. The one answer I'll tell you what Corey said, and I don't know if you remember, this is a long time ago, but it's very accurate. Tyrus Thomas had a jump. Oh, yeah. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. only one we could really think of. And I don't want to discredit it because, again, I want to be very clear. Can it help? Yes. My argument is how much does it help? Have we seen a guy really, really, really just shoot out of this world because of a six- game sample size and i even posed the question from the opposite perspective because they said do you have any worries about brandon miller because of his uh tournament performance and i was like no of course it's, not. It's, right yeah it's just a few games like that's how people think you don't dictate a player's overall profile because of the tournament whether it's good or bad if a guy struggles it's like okay we're going we're going we're going to write some notes down we're going to take it into consideration we're going to use it as a part of um our assessment <laughs> 
but I'm not taking Brandon Miller from a top three guy to now he's 11th because he struggled in the tournament. And I'm not taking a guy who was 11th and I'm putting him number three because he has six good games. I'm going to make notes of it and I'm going to use it for my assessment for more information to, you know, um, view these guys. But it's not that big of a thing to where it's like, hold on now. Jordan Hawk is doing his thing. He could be a top five. <laughs> like, it would be too, you know, you want to see a full body sample size. All right. Let's end with this real quick. Uh, what would you be the for him? And you're Jordan, Haw- Jordan Hawkins? Yeah. Oh. I kind of like him uh, next to LaMelo. But that but the Hornets are Hornets are gonna be too high, right? I think Hornets are gonna get a you're right. Yeah, they'll be yeah, too high. Yeah. I, I like that though. Next, I think he's a good fit there. You know, he's a two guard. What about Orlando? Yeah, they need they need shooting. They need shooting. They'll probably they can they have a chance to have multiple picks because of the Bulls and the whole so all right. So we talked about this and last and we're gonna do this real quick. We talked about this last time, and I said is there a chance that Brandon Miller in March talking about Mal- we're back to March Madness, but <laughs> unfortunately, um, was it, did it ever become a conversation in your head between Brandon Miller and school? Yes. I was right. P I told you this would happen. What, what, what was that conversation? You were like, I was like, Brandon Miller, I believe maybe I didn't say I believe, but I just asked mm-hmm. the question. I didn't say I believe there, but I did believe. Could this become a conversation with him in school? You were like, nah, no, I the, I still feel nah. The only reason I say it became a conversation because it was a matter of who picks two, which is what I think I said uh, back then. But okay. as far as prospect to prospect, I still think it's Scoot. But when people started having a conversation of like if it's Detroit, that's why I was kind of like, hmm, what would they do? I'm not, and I never fully said you go Brandon Miller. But when you, all you asked was, it is like, is it a conversation? And yeah. I won't lie, when the um when the Pistons got brought up as a team that could potentially get two, I did think Ooh. about it. Ooh, I'm not gonna lie to you to make to make my point. I love that P. Kate Cunningham, Brandon Miller, Jade Ivy. Jade Ivy, there you go. Jade so Ivy. Yeah, like when that situation again, and that to Jay, me, Jay, Jalen Duran, he's Jay gonna be Durant, good. Yeah, but they gotta good. they gotta play him. They're giving his minutes to Wiseman yeah. right now. Um, and Wiseman, yeah, Wiseman's nice fit there. Actually, like the idea of Wiseman's a great fit with them. I like Duran better, but yeah, that's just me. The idea um, of Wiseman. <laughs> But yeah, that that makes me think prospect to prospect. I still think um, I out of respect because I think Scoot is a really good prospect, and I think uh, Brandon Miller has some some limitations a little bit. Okay, um, you know he ain't Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? No, no. Um, and I like guys who can shoot it. And I like guys who can shoot it with his size. I like Brandon Miller a lot, but I to think me, to me, it's to me, it's a high ceiling, high floor thing with him. Like that's why I like Brandon Miller. Okay, I don't see him like he's not going to be bad. It is the best possible version of him. is going to be really good. You know? No, yeah, exactly. And yeah. if you have like Kay Cunningham and Ivy already there, and he can feed off of them and catch and shoot opportunities with that type of group, man, sign me up for it. And that's where I think it becomes a conversation. Prospect to prospect, I think Scoot has solidified itself. I think people are a little bored with it because it's just been Vic and Scoot, and now they're trying to figure and out. And you can't and you can't say anything about Wemby, so let's go to Scoot, right? Yeah, let's just make it some type of excitement, and let's try to... They tried to do it with knowledge. Cade, bro. They tried to do it with yes, Cade. Yes, they, tried, they did. They tried, they, they tried to do it with Anthony words yeah it is what it's pretty great stuff you're always welcome back on the show it's always great talking basketball with you bro talk soon it is it is holla
Later. There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. Big shouts to P for joining in. We always appreciate you. To everyone who's tuned into this show across the globe, share it. Share it on your IG stories. You can tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. And be on the lookout for episode 549. Combo out.